Welcome to the Creating Salon Success Podcast, where you will find educational and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream salon. And here's your beauty salon, systemization expert, spa owner, and entrepreneur, Louisa Ashforth. Louisa Ashforth, Training Academy, Creating Salon Success. I'm here today with Joanne, and she's going to share with us some of her experience. And I'm not going to tell you too much about her, and we'll let her introduce herself. So thanks so much for joining us, Joanne. Oh, you're welcome, Louisa. Glad to be here. And I love your background, I can just see all the purple and oh it's just so lovely I love purple obviously it's all my branding but it's so nice yeah it's all purple and pink perfect so John, tell us a little bit about sort of who you are what it is that you do and how you got into doing what you're doing so hi everyone I'm Joe Outram and I am a financial fitness instructor which is just a name that I came up with um I love it I just didn't want to say call myself coach because it's a little bit more than coach some of it's mentoring and it's all around finance and money um that's what I do mainly with women in business I think we've got more hang-ups about money because it's mm-hmm. such an emotional topic and that was the funny thing for me it was a hard that was a hard lesson to learn actually um having been a chartered accountant and financial advisor and had all that structured way of doing finance to realize that actually it's a lot of it's more about the emotional side of it. And it was a journey that I went on to, um, you know, well, I actually lost my house um, at one point. And so it kind of hit rock bottom financially. Um, and that made me think there must be more to money than, you know, I wanted to build up my wealth again, but do it differently. So I had a more solid foundation. So I went on my own journey around mindset and discovered loads of things and then I realized that I wasn't the only person um, which is comes to a shock to us sometimes I think we don't realize that a lot of other people are suffering from the same kind of thing so yeah either get them out of the hole um with what however you know whatever hole financially they're in or to stop them getting there in the first place yeah perfect gosh it's amazing and just just listening to you then I feel like I've got goosebumps because I just feel like you've obviously gone on like a massive roller coaster and then the fact that you can share and you're willing to share that experience with people people as well is amazing because money's like a really like you say sensitive topic and we all keep it to ourselves don't we and we don't want to share how well we're doing or how well we're not doing we're almost a bit embarrassed either way and it's not when you're doing well you brag about it it's almost just embarrassing both ways and I guess you're sharing that we shouldn't have to be embarrassed no yeah that's that's it I mean we're, we're brought up with you know it's one of those topics you don't talk about and our mm-hmm. parents didn't talk about it and then if we don't talk about it for those that have children then obviously the children are not going to talk about it and it's just a perpetuating cycle of not dealing with issues I, I talk about uh, money a lot in my members group and we've done sort of lots on money mindsets and, and it's really interesting listening to people talk back saying oh I find it so uncomfortable and it's and it's really difficult for them to even just answer some of the questions themselves and really just I suppose ask inside like how they feel because it's, it's just they just feel uncomfortable and I guess there's a lot of people like that so we need people like you to bring us out of that feeling yeah because we don't just stop and think do we oh how do I feel about money it's not one of those not one of those questions certainly that popped into my head before I went on this journey no I think with society almost influences a lot of how we feel or how we think we should feel we kind of go on that path because we don't want to break that mold or break the norm or anything and or people to judge us we're kind of taught to fit in in a way aren't we and because nobody else talks about it and I think when money does get talked about it it's only the negative side so you hear about the billionaires that have you know stood 
stolen money from a pension fund. You don't hear about the billionaires that have gone out and, you know, donating millions and millions to charity because that doesn't sell newspapers and such like. So we just True. don't hear about, we only hear the negative of, you know, it almost money's going to corrupt and you don't want to tell people and how much money you've, like you said, how much money you've got or not got. I once went on a, a course and he was talking about money and, and we had to feel like all these things, if we were rich, what, what would we do? And everyone felt really uncomfortable. And he was saying that money is not the root of all evil. And it really did make me think differently because he was saying that just because you've got money doesn't, you know, yeah, it might not make you happy, but it definitely helps because if you look at it differently, instead of thinking of all the things that you can have, if you think, oh, I can help my family get private healthcare or eat well or eat healthy. And, you know, when you look at it like that, you're actually just providing a nicer way of life for you and your family. It's not about having money and making you feel greedy. Yeah, I think, you know, money means freedom and it means choices. Much yeah. better way of looking at it than money makes you greedy or I know in beauty we all sort of say like oh I'm okay with that I don't want to be greedy it really is like a transition that you have to go through to start thinking and I think this is why um, women potentially have a bigger issue because I do think we have a bigger issue around money than men I'm not saying men don't and all women do I'm not not saying that I'm just saying as a generalisation when the women do have a more emotional time with money and I think a lot of it comes down to worthiness and we don't think that you know we're worthy of it and like you say greedy comes into it because we've kind of been taught that to have a lot of money and to show it is greedy. So we all look at just, I suppose, if you're having a flash car or having a big house, but that is not all what having money is about, is it? And to be honest, if people were like me, when I had my you know six-bed house, a Porsche and a Mercedes, as a single woman, do you know what? There was that much finance. Yeah, that's what people I mean, don't see. see now. I mean, you can go around some of these large housing estates and you look at them, they've got nice cars and they drive really big houses. And then you go around, you know, the old terraced houses and the streets, you know, smaller houses, you know, two, two down things. And they've probably got as much money in the bank as the people in the big houses. Absolutely. Got big, you know, the only difference is the ones with the big house and the big car have just got higher access to finance in yeah. a lot of cases. And that, that's kind of the problem. Build up, you know, we're, we're taught, we've been taught as well that debt's the norm. I try so hard, myself and my husband, like back, oh, we've been married like gosh, 15 years, but back in the beginning, it was really difficult. First move in and stuff like that can be really a struggling time financially and it just made us think we never ever want to be there again so we worked really hard you know I was self-employed and still had another job he had a full-time job and a second job and we just ploughed everything into paying it off and then we just swore we'd never get there again because that feeling of freedom like that financial freedom is just amazing and my husband's still got a W Reg Focus and he has a van for work so it sits on the drive all day but we just have it as a second car and so many people have said to us when are you guys going to get a new car and we're like well we just don't need one and we don't feel the need to have one you know however it's working don't get me wrong it is on its last legs but however it's okay it's become a bit of a challenge now for us to see how long we can keep it yeah and I think for a lot of people and obviously you're not the norm in this case but for a lot of people it's about keeping up with the Joneses as well Mm -hmm. they've got a new car so we need one they're going on a fancy holiday why aren't we and we do have a lot of that and I think social media is added to that as well there's definitely a lot of judgment isn't there so gosh I know we've got straight into our conversation of of chat because it's just such a big topic but let's just backtrack I always like to ask a few sort of quick fire questions just to sort of get to know you a little bit more okay so what book are you reading now it can be personal development fiction whatever it is just share with us what you're reading yeah I've I've usually got about three or four books books on the go because I I do like to pick them up and put them down but I'm actually just rereading The Pumpkin Plan he um, is one of my favourite business authors. Profit First was the 
main the main book. I like that's the, the book, book that I actually wish I'd written myself. Do you know what I mean? You know, oh. when it's in your area of expertise, you think, why didn't I come up with? But yeah, I like all of his books. I like his style. It's very down to earth. So yeah, I like his books. I actually did a podcast with someone the other day, and she comments on the Prophet first. And straight away, I went, oh, I love that book. She went, oh, I found it so boring. And I went, oh, did you? But you know, I said it was just her. I suppose she was reading it, whereas I listened to it. I could really relate. She couldn't, and I suppose it just shows, doesn't it? How like you say, you really like the way that he he writes, and I did as well. I sort of got it straight away, and I thought, yeah, this would resonate with a lot of beauty therapists as well. You know, putting we never think of that profit first, and from that book, I put that in a lot of my teachings in my members group because I think it's so important. And I said to this lady, or maybe maybe she didn't need it because she was already charging profit first, so maybe it didn't resonate with her because she didn't need it as such. I think that I think with profit first, it is a, it probably goes a bit technical because Mike writes in relation to small business owners. I think their definition of a small business is anything under 25 million. Wow. <laughs> so if you think of it in that respect, you know, if you're like a sole owner, you know, with maybe mm. one or two staff, you know, it's still applicable. But I think that the detail in the book, you know, it can, I think, be too much for people. I guess being yeah. an accountant helped me understand it anyway. Uh, well, I did say that she was reading and I was listening. So I thought maybe I listen and I'm triggered when I hear something that's relevant to me. And I go, oh, yes. But then I suppose when you're reading it, it's harder to skip through bits that you sort of a bit. Yeah, there's so lots technical. Of, yeah, there's lots of charts and you know tables of numbers, and ah. I get some people get put off by that. I don't. I've never listened to Profit First. I've listened to to some of the other books of his uh, on audio, but not but not Profit First. So I don't know ah. the difference between the book and the audio. But yeah, that's I just find at the moment anyway. Ah, no, I, I love it. It's, it's one of my favorites. Like I said, it really did kind of uh, hit home with me about a few yeah. points that I've either done in the past, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'd have just read this yeah years the ago pump, <laughs> yeah the pumpkin plans a bit more about organizational and processes stuff but that's good um, good read i haven't read that one so i might have to well i'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie i'll probably say i'll listen to it because i like to do something else at the same time because yeah i'm always driving somewhere or well funny enough i have listened to that one and i had the book and then got got the audio as well and listened to it and i don't actually think i've actually read it before so when i say i'm rereading actually i've listened to it <laughs> Oh, I always say I've read it and I've listened. I mean, I mean I've listened yeah. to it because I think, well, I've read it. it. The knowledge is in there somewhere. <laughs> just have to tap into it. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of personal development books. I love, I love lots of them, and I just I, I consume myself with it because I just think it's really good for igniting your mind and you know making you think. And I like to re also listen. I like to re-listen to things because you pick up on things that you didn't hear before. And it's obviously I don't know. The more you learn, then you take you can absorb more information, can't you? Yeah, when you reread or re-listen to things I think yeah you're hearing things it's like watching a film watch a film for a second time you see things you didn't see the first time it's the same we can't absorb absolutely everything our mind is just too much information sometimes so yeah it is books are good to you know good books worth rereading definitely so if you've tried profit first and you couldn't resonate with it try again because it is an amazing book <laughs> and pumpkin plan now as well i'm adding that to my list <laughs> okay so well he obviously inspires you but who would you say specifically inspires you whether it's somebody famous or a family member or just a friend or somebody who inspires you um 
Well, just to go back to the money side, my grandmother in, inspired me. It's amazing, actually, that I didn't pick up on a lot of the lessons that when I look back were there. She was, very, despite being poor, she was very good with money. I was never in debt and had a house full of material things and always went on several holidays a year. Quite how she did it. I, I, I just wish she was here for me to ask her because, mm. you know, she did an, ama an, an amazing job. And then I guess I did, apart from my grandmother, I think I've had different mentors throughout my life. I think, I think... It, I don't know about you, but I'm drawn to wherever I need information. Definitely. I don't really, I don't actually get drawn into the celebrity kind of status of people. That, um, and I almost kind of want to ignore those kind of gurus or whatever you want to call them. No, I like, get it. Totally. I, yeah, I, I'm I a bit like that. It's it's where you draw. What, what's that saying? People come into your life for a reason, a season, a yeah. lifetime. And I think it's the same in business or in life that, you know, you are inspired at different times by different people, aren't you? Whether it's financially, and I suppose it's whatever you you need at the time you're drawn to that sometimes or or just if you see somebody who's, who's gone through a hard time or or like yourself I bet you'd be inspiring to people when you like you say you've hit rock bottom so to speak financially and then look at you now you, you've got I mean I'll talk about it in a bit but I just I, I'm inspired by you because I know from talking to you right I've ended up actually done my first draft of my book anyway but you've written books and everything so you really are well an expert in your field so that's very inspiring to be able to share it with other people in, in book form as well as in you form <laughs> so to speak thank you for saying that yeah thinking about it as well there's probably been authors have kind of then stalked almost you know for that kind of knowledge you know and if you can find somebody that you resonates with you it's uh it's hard just to pick out one person sometimes isn't it totally off topic but what is a skincare product that you couldn't live without so if you were going to a an island and you had to take your favorite product with you it can be makeup as well what would it be um actually it wouldn't be makeup actually i found that actually can, I can remember the days when I wouldn't go outside without any makeup on and now you know I'm quite happy to do one without any me too <laughs> life, cha life changes I think as you get older um, I've got to that stage where that doesn't bother me now it would be moisturiser I can't live without it I don't oh, know if that's yeah. an ageing thing but I think as my, my skin's got drier as I've got older and it's just like I can't live without it now yeah it does get drier and I think there's no finer feeling than a good moisturiser is then it just feels nice so I'm with you and imagine me left on, a, on an island without that moisture feeling definitely and no one's going to see you without your lippy on there anyway are they so <laughs> okay so obviously we've sort of come out of lockdown we've been in and out of it but we're still in this crisis so throughout the different lockdowns have you become obsessed with anything like a lot of people have been obsessed with food or exercise and for example has it changed you personally or in your business how has lockdown either helped or hindered I suppose this is a really interesting question so it's random that I ask it but the answers that I get back are brilliant I've had some very well a lot of variations let's say that yeah to my business it didn't make much difference because I was coaching via zoom anyway okay. um, digital products so every kind of everything was online I think one discovery that I had was how much I actually nipped out for coffee <laughs> You know, oh, and was yeah. So there was a yeah, there was a lot of one-to-one -one chats with people, and I think it was just to get out of the office. So yeah, so nothing much changed changed for me in okay. in, in, that, in that respect. And I don't even think personally it did. I'm mean, I'm an introvert, so I was quite quite happy to be left alone. Yeah, <laughs> left alone. I'm not saying that I've not missed you know as much company or you know, and I probably realised I'm probably more social again than. <laughs> 
what I thought, what I gave myself credit for, you know, originally. I think it's, I think there are, there have been changes. I think it would be hard to, I don't think any of us have, would have come out uns, unscathed, but I think yeah. for me, they've all been kind of minute changes. There's nothing, nothing like majorly different. I've probably written a lot, but I've written a lot in a sporadic way. So I've got lots and lots of stuff on my laptop um, that will be coming to, I don't know, mini books, e-books, books, who knows what's going to happen with it. But I've, I have written a lot. It's been nice, hasn't it, to have a little bit of time almost where we can't meet people. So we've had a little bit of time. So even those people who are quite extroverts, they've had to almost, which I know some people have been have found it quite difficult to transition to just be quite introvert and spend time with themselves. But it, I suppose it's beneficial in a way because it does make you look at things differently. Yeah, yeah, there's certainly been a lot of time for reflection. I think if anything, in my business, I think it's made it made it simpler. Just because I think, I think I've decided that I only actually want to do what I want to do love it if it doesn't give me it doesn't spark that joy then I'm not doing it so I've I've kind of binned a lot of things I think that is a really good thing because I think one thing I've been sort of saying to some of my group members is to bin some of the treatments that you don't want to do that's massive for us because we all want to be jack of all trades and offer everything and I've really condensed my price list to focus on my passion and it's working and I'm sort of trying to encourage people to sort of get rid of some of those treatments that they only do because they feel that they should and I think look lockdown has been quite empowering to make you think no I'm focusing on what I want to do and what's going to make the best for my business yeah and I think when you when you've not had much option for entertainment the last thing you want to be doing is is doing things at work that don't 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 light you up I think that's why I've probably done a lot of writing because I kind of you know I do enjoy that well yeah so you've been writing books or you've already released some books haven't you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've so, done a few. Yeah, it's so good. And then obviously you've got way more in the pipeline. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah. Um, there's certainly a huge collection of thoughts. Yeah. But it's good to get those thoughts on paper, isn't it? Because then they can turn into something. Yeah, so it, yeah. I think you get more when you go back and definitely and re- and, yeah, can reword. Because sometimes I don't know about you, but when you write, the thoughts out of my head don't always come out in a in a organized. They're certainly not organized fashion. They don't always make sense actually. Sometimes. Gosh, mine definitely do not. Yeah, sometimes I wish I could record these podcasts and then do it again because I think oh, Louisa. Yeah, some of the things I come out with, but you know, that's just me, isn't it? At least when it's on paper, I can, I can delete, delete, delete. <laughs> yeah, but it, I think that's part of the pro- it's certainly part of the process of writing a book is getting the ideas because sometimes you need one out. And I see a lot of this with mindset work. Sometimes you need to verbalize things and get one thing out there so you can get to what the real story is behind and what you really want to say. Yeah, when I actually sat down and you focus on bits of my book, I found myself getting really drawn into the story and, you know, really almost taking myself back to that time when other times of writing the book I've not been able to do that and I think that's when you're getting really engrossed in what you're doing isn't it and it was quite quite nice really yeah I, I mean it's, uh, this book's taken me quite a long time um, okay right probably because there's as many words being taken out as well what there's been left in but also it kind of took me on a journey because even though I've been on a uh, you know like a final I think in the book I call it like a financial pilgrimage but All right. it kind of took kind of took me on that again because because as I was putting, you know, talking about various things, we live in stories um, and some of the client stories from the earlier days, then it kind of just, you kind of get lost in that world then of dealing with it in your 
own mind and mm. and dealing with things differently. So now I've got an even different perspective on them than when I first dealt with them. So, uh, so tell us a little bit more about your book then. What What's it about? Obviously, I know it's finance, but what's it about? So it's mainly about money mindset. So okay. there is some, there's some practical stuff in there because I always believe that you, you've got to mix, the, you can't ignore the practical if you want to get your mind right around money because you've got to be able to have control over it, which does include the practical elements of it as well. So it's about deal, setting yourself up to create a foundation for wealth. So it, what it's not, it's not about investing or it's not about actually how you're going to make the money. It's about building that solid foundation in your mind. Um, and you can do that at any point. Obviously, before you earn the money is the best time because you don't waste it as then as you're earning it. But it's about dealing with those emotions, getting things straight in your mind and creating the right habits for building the financial freedom. You know, I always assume people are, are wanting to achieve financial freedom. I mean, it means something different to everybody. So I think it's a fair assumption to make that we all kind of want, want more, you know, whatever we want to call them, our dreams of our ideal life or wherever it is. So with that assumption, it's about setting the right right foundations because not everybody has them right. Um, you know, you see a lot of people that make a lot of money and they will say, well, you don't, you just need to get on and do it. But unfortunately, a lot of us can't get on and do it because we've got all this emotional baggage that needs dealing with. But it's about dealing with that emotion, kind of emotional baggage around money. I think a lot of my listeners will be able to relate massively to that because um, I know I've mentioned this to you, but we as therapists, we are natural servers, I suppose, so we're naturally giving and then we somehow feel guilty for charging, even though it is a business and we've got to, it's like separating the two and taking yourself out of the, the personal element. Because we are a very personal service, I think we're trying to be friends with everybody and our clients do become our friends, but then that guilt comes in for charging. And then it's about, like you said earlier, valuing yourself and you should charge because of your level of experience. And even if you're not that experienced, you've got your qualification. So it's really, really difficult. And I know we all struggle with price and I know how I have done in the past. So what advice would you give regarding pricing? Because a lot of the time we charge too little for what we do. And it's almost, I often regard it now, I've learned along the way that it's almost like we are devaluing ourselves and the industry. And then we're sort of setting this line, I suppose, where if you then start charging more, it's a really difficult situation, but then people are trying to charge, do you know, it's just getting the balance all wrong. What, what advice would you give to us to stop us from doing this? Yeah, I think one thing is to ignore what everybody else is charging. Um, I think that's so easy to come, you know, look at what other uh, salons are charging and, and to compete. But you know what? If they want to work themselves into an early grave, then that's their decision, isn't it? At the end of the day. Yeah. And they've probably got their own mindset issues around pricing, thing that thinking that they can't charge anymore. Um, so that's one thing I wouldn't do is look at other people's pricing and concentrate on the value of what you're, you know, what it is that you're providing. So I think we miss that a lot a lot the service element we, we kind of almost charge i see a lot of people charging for um almost like it's a commodity but we're not we're not giving somebody a commodity and we've got to you know we've got to look we've got to look at things differently and we've got to, one there was an i'm just trying to think it was it was somewhere out of the like somewhere like the university of california it was something like that some kind of institute in california they they did a study and they gave two groups of people some wine it was the same wine they told one it was really expensive and told the other group it was a um, really low cost. And then 
they had to each group had to give it give this wine some scores and what they found in this study was um those that had paid more money actually enjoyed the wine they they gave it a higher score because there is that association we value things more that we pay for mm -hmm. so by paying you know by charging low fees actually we're doing clients a disservice because we're not allowing them to get full value themselves from the service that we provide um because as well with pricing we often think it's about us and it's not it needs to be about the client we need you know we need to give them the experience that they deserve you know walking into a salon is not just about having your nails done or your hair cut is it it's so much more than that and people you know then the more that they can value that you know your clients value that experience uh, and, and part of that is by charging I agree. I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. It is all about the experience. And a lot of the time when we're looking at prices without the education side of it, we look at what it costs us, the time it takes. We don't ever really look at our wages first. So like the profit first taught me, you know, pay yourself first above anything. And we don't think of us, it's like we don't think of our business as a business. So we don't think of ourselves as an employee we think of us just as self-employed. So I always say, even if you're self-employed, it's like you are the employee for me of LA Beauty. Whether you're a limited company or you're not, I know the, the facts when it comes to tax and all that. But I think in a mindset, you have to almost see yourself as an employee, whether you're a sole trader or a limited company. But you've got to have that mindset where if you did employ another person, could you afford to give them a wage and, you know, charge cover your costs and also have a profit for the business yeah. and it's like people feel wrong for taking that profit for the business and it's trying to get out of that mindset where that is not wrong you are in a business to make you've got well, to invest it back in haven't you well exactly and if you're not there to make if you're not there to make profit then a you need to go and get a job or b set yourself up as a charity or non-profit organization because and if you're not willing to do those things and you want to actually want a business then you're going to be making profits and yeah. that means profits over and above what it, what you draw out yourself as your owner's compensation and it's right what you say louise i always say that to be, you know to build a financially healthy business you've got to consider yourself as an employee of that business um, and likewise, when it comes to taking money out of the business, um, it's like, well, would you let the, uh, you know, an employee dip their hands in the till and take that extra hundred pound out because they think they deserve it this week or need it? And the same, it's the same, it's the same principle. Yeah, you've really, got, I suppose, like you said, you've really got in, got to get into a money mindset, haven't you? So we all need to buy your book and learn some lessons and listen to what you've got to say and charge our value and our worth because yeah. we do give clients an amazing service because that's what we're all about. And I think if you feel that you do do that, then you're not wrong for, for charging. Years ago, I would have done a facial for say 20 pounds, like literally years and years ago. And now my most popular treatment is a 99 pound facial. If you'd have told me back then, that's what I would be charging now and people willing to book in every month coming back, I would have never believed it. But because I've changed all my mindset and everything, I now really think, well, that's that's what the prices are. So if you don't want to pay that, I know I give a good service. It's absolutely fine to go somewhere else. And if you feel you get the same level of experience, then okay. But you've got to have that faith in yourself and that confidence that you will deliver that value. And I think from a, you know, from a customer's point of view um you know if you gave me the choice between that 20 pound facial and the 99 pound one i certainly think the 99 pound one is going to be more beneficial it's going to be more luxurious um I don't, know. I don't know any of the differences but instantly to me that 99 pound one is one that i would want to go for you know what not everybody will be able to afford it no but that's not, that's not you know it's not up to you to go into somebody else's purse as well and decide whether they can afford it and it's where they prioritize things 
things. I, I've heard people say so many times, I can't afford this. Oh, I'd love to do that, but I can't afford it. And then they're walking around in a Michael Kors coat, which is absolutely fine and good on them. Or they're buying all these things offline that they actually say, I don't really need them. I just get a bit obsessed. And then you think, but you told me you couldn't afford this. So it's just where, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just where their priorities lie. And I think it comes, it comes down to, again, feeling like, you know, the worthiness of having that money. And it's a, it is a big thing. And it's not, and it's not something you can get over overnight. For most people that I work with, you know, we might double their prices or they might go up more than that in, in, in a space of time. But we kind of stair step it up because there's that, there's that thing of, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to put off the people that are coming, but you still want to get some money. And I think that's, you know, that's the key thing if you are going to increase your prices is to, to do it over a period of time and just step it up. And and sometimes re, you know, if it makes you feel better, reword what it is that you're delivering. So if you're going to get rid of that £20, I mean, you probably wouldn't go from the, I'm sure you didn't, Louisa, go from £20 to no. £99 in one step. No. But, you've, you know, you've got a choice there. You can describe what's in the facial, call it something different as you increase the prices, can't you? I mean, it's not, Definitely. It's not just like the, the old inflationary increase. <laughs> Yeah, it's about, and I suppose it's about uh, managing the expectations and getting the customer to realise what they are going to get out of this, say, £99 facial, yeah. as opposed to the £20 one. The £20 one would still be lovely. You would still do a nice service. And if that's where the client wanted to go, that's absolutely fine. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that you could have other facials where you are offering a lot more, whether it's machinery included or some more equipment that, you know, is going to have a more enhanced treatment. And you're showing the differences. You know, a £20 facial is probably using just products alone and something they could possibly do at home as well but you're going to do a more advanced facial and to me when you're a salon and you're an expert and a professional you want to offer more because of your experience and your qualifications and what you can deliver you want to it's like showcasing yourself isn't it you know of all the things that you can do to help yeah the cheaper something is the less time of yours it should be involved in you know so a tw- you know a 20 minute fa- um 20 pound facial sorry should be a short amount of time of your time yeah. so like you say you're doing a good job but you're doing yes and this is what why it becomes hard for people i think is when it's cheaper like that it needs to be the mere minimum possible and we still try and give more and you think well yeah. why would the client pay more if we've just given them everything in the 20 pound facial kind of train your clients as to what to expect yeah but you can you can train them the other way and you might lose a few but you know they could go anywhere you know somewhere else anyway they're only buying on price i mean even at the your current prices it it means that somebody could uh, start a business down the road and still undercut you and they would leave. So you might as well be getting more out of it and increasing, yeah, and increasing your prices, yeah. Do you know when I used to try and keep my prices cheaper and then I'd say I'd lose a client and this has happened and they're like, oh, you know, I loved coming to you, Louisa, but then when I've gone such and such, they, um, they're paying more money, but I get this and I get that and I do this. And I, and, and I think, oh, I had all of those pieces of equipment or all the things they're saying they got. But I thought I knew what my client wanted. So I I thought they wanted a cheap price and they wanted this. So I did a minimal facial or treatment and then they've gone somewhere else because they've got all these advanced things that I actually had, but never told them. In a way, I've shot myself in the foot and that's where I've kind of learned as well, thinking, right, I'm going to offer these things to my client and say, this is what it is. So now I put together this, what I call a combination facial. It's, a, it's called a transformative facial, but I say it's a combination because I do basically whatever that client needs during that time. So I've got a lot of pieces of equipment that I can incorporate into that facial dependent on the client's needs it's very personalized and very tailored to them each time they come in to me that's giving more value anyway and instead of just doing the same facial every week 
because then they've gone somewhere else anyway, paid them more money. And, you know, it's not been that they've gone somewhere else that's offended me or upset me. It's been the fact that I didn't put myself forward and show them what I could do. And like in one way, I'd be like, they didn't even give me a chance. But it's not them. It's me. I'm in full control. A lot like you say about you, isn't it? You've got to learn about you. Yeah. And if people aren't, you know, are a bit nervous about putting prices up, what they can do is, like you were describing there, that kind of face, they can add, put things in, but you can build in some more luxury items i suppose it's like turning an oil tanker you know it, it you can turn it slowly well you need to turn it slowly i think <laughs> too much of a, i think it's too much of a shock but if you're starting out i mean that's the best time to get this right and set the bar where you want it to be that's it and that's when people often just say oh i'll charge the price i'll charge these prices for now because i'm just starting and it's almost like the wrong way around of doing it because you can never or, well you can but it, it's a very long process to increase your prices um, you know like i say it's like it's like turning an oil tanker it's you know it's not it's not something that can be done instantly does take quite you know quite a bit of time it can be done and it should be done and it should be started like now yeah. um but it but it does it does take time both from a mindset point of view and just from a practical point of view but yeah yeah it, it takes time to for your current clients to adjust it takes time to attract in new clients yeah. so we definitely need a better money mindset don't we most of us do. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, as much as I say, you know, I'm okay with everything, I can totally relate because even though it's a, it's a good few years ago, I can relate because it just feels like yesterday when I was in that place as well. So it, it never leaves you. And that's why it's a continuous training exercise to keep your mindset in the right place, isn't it? And and I suppose that's like with positivity as well. You've got to, it doesn't just happen one day when you decide you're going to be positive, does it? It's a muscle that we're building up, you know, a muscle that's been neglected for years and years. And I think when it comes to mindset it's a bit like going to the gym you know you can't go to the gym once and become fit and stay no. fit can you <laughs> no, definitely not do you know what this is such an interesting topic and i think we can all relate to it but we'll talk about it all day as well so what words of wisdom would you leave our listeners on just to help them create a better money mindset what what things would you leave us with some advice um i think the main thing is to understand that the way that you feel about money is, is the way that a lot of people feel and that it's natural i think a lot of people feel a lot of shame sometimes fear or anger or even sadness around money and um, there's a lot of guilt about past mistakes and just to realize that that's normal to feel about money and, and things can change and if they're not ready to work on money and not everybody is right away but the best thing that you can do then to work on your money mindset is to work on feeling good about yourself the rest can come later and fall from that because that's one thing i guess a lot of people call it imposter syndrome um it's kind of got like a modern day i'm not sure if i like that but it's it's around that of feeling that you are worthy and then from that you can then start to charge more be comfortable about becoming financially successful and having more money and retaining more money like you just said it comes back to valuing your self-worth doesn't it and i think everything to do with business comes back to that in one yeah. way or another doesn't it and being in business can really damage your self-worth don't get me wrong because it's hard work but like you say we've got to stick at it and keep training ourselves and that's why it's important to train your mind isn't it and take that time out for yourself because yeah. we've got to be top of our game to deliver a good service for other people aren't we yeah definitely oh fab joanne thank you so much for sharing and will you send me a link to your book as well so i can put that in the comments and yes. the show notes and then people that's can nice. know where to find you and stuff and i'll also put links on to connect with you on your socials as well if that's all right and hopefully then people will 
know where they can come for some advice on money mindset. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Thank you, Louisa. No worries. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Louisa Ashford. I hope you have got so much value from this podcast. As always, thank you so much to our guests for coming on. Now, if you haven't already, please subscribe to my Podbean channel. And also don't forget to take a look at my YouTube channel so you can see all of these exciting videos. There is also the membership site, louisaashford.co.uk. And of course, the free Facebook group where there is loads of educational material uh, creating talent success. Thanks so much.